Moore's going to do another session. So uh, that's brilliant. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I don't know about the rest of you. So uh, let's let's head on to this this next session, which really is carrying on from um, from our last session. We talked about uh, images of images of our parents, and um, just want to move on to a session entitled Forgive, "Forgiven and Forgiving," which follows on really. There's a very quite famous parable that uh, Jesus told in Matthew chapter 18. Um, I guess lots of lots of some of us will, will know it well. I'm going to read it. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. And his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king, told him everything that had happened. And the king called in the man who'd forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt for which you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servants, just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. Very sad story, really. I just want to pull out a few elements of the picture that Jesus painted because this is what parables were Jesus wasn't painting detailed sort of specific examples where necessarily everything has an individual meaning and all the rest of it but there's a few particular things because what he says at the end is if you refuse to forgive you this is what's going to happen to you he says if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart forgive from your heart I think we've, we've often get um, get told about forgiveness being a choice and there is truth in that I'm not dismissing the importance of that but Jesus said the thing that is important is forgiving from the heart What does that mean? Well, for sure I think it means that you have to engage with the reality of what's happened, what it costs you, and what it's going to cost you to let it go. So you notice that the king was reckoning up his accounts working out exactly what he was owed and by whom. And if I'm going to be able to forgive with any kind of reality, if I'm going to be able to forgive from my heart, 
I need, first of all, I need to admit that something happened. A lot of us will just try and kind of, no good brushing it under the carpet, pretending it didn't matter. The things that happened to you mattered. They had an effect on your life. And unless you know what that effect was and admit that the effect was there, you're never going to be able to have any reality of forgiveness that comes from your heart. You need to connect with how that event, how the sin against you was impa- is impacting your daily life. What consequences did that have? What did it cost you? Are you experiencing shame? Does it mean you've become fearful? Have you felt demeaned? All sorts of things can be the impacts of other people's actions, other people's responses on your life that need forgiveness. They've built something into you. They've taken something away from you. You have to know what that is. And we've, we've got, we've, when we go off into the session afterwards, we've got some, some handouts with some details in there, there that will maybe help you to, to look at. And you need to tell God what happened to you. The guys, the true face guys, the guys that have done all these videos, they say, I need to excavate every effect and emotion of the sin against you. He cares about it even more deeply than you do. But you have to allow this to be a process. It will hurt. will because the things that have happened to you have been painful you may not even be able to face up to the extent of the hurt the first time you you address it the first time you look at it you have to allow it to be a process it's like discovering that your your wallet has has been stolen and, um, and £10 has been taken out of it and thinking yeah I can forgive £10 not realising the use of your credit card overnight via a new car and, a, and all the rest of it. It's a whole load more forgiveness to go through when you discover that. The first level. You know, don't expect it all to, all to happen, all to go in one go, because it can be too painful. You might even not be, be able to admit what it costs you. Papa, it's okay. Papa's got all the time he needs. Let me bring you back down to whatever you need to watch. He won't take you. You know, that's just what Jesus you will, he will not allow you to be tempted more than you can more than you can handle. Right? That applies here. No, you're not going to. Yeah. Two things about the forgiveness. To be able to forgive is a benefit to you. Set you free. The guy in the story ended up in prison because he couldn't forgive. 
forgiveness is something that's necessary for your sake. We're wired for connection, as we said. You know, if somebody has hurt you, if somebody has, has done something that needs forgiveness to you, in all likelihood, whatever they did was a result of their brokenness, the result of their hurt. And it's no good. If, you know, unfor- what unforgiveness does, actually, is it's, it's a hand on their throat. It says, you pay me back. You do something to make up for what you did to me. They did it out of their brokenness. And in all probability, if they have the resources, emotional, physical, or whatever, to repay you, they probably would have. They're not paying you back because they can't. They haven't got emotional or physical or mental or whatever resources to pay you back. You might as well take your hand off their throat. We always know if a relationship's been broken, even if we don't acknowledge it. We're wired for connection. Doesn't let them off the hook. Doesn't excuse them. Doesn't say it's okay. It's a choice. It is a choice. The first step is always a choice. It's a step for me to begin, to begin healing. You're giving up your rights to decide what's best for that person. Giving up your rights to decide what's best for yourself. There's a whole load more on that. In shame and self-protection, we, we want to get we want to get the issue out of the way. Leave the relationship aside. So we'll make an effort. We want to resolve the conflict rather than reconcile the relationship. God's about reconciling relationships. take a side slight sidetrack when we when the hurt we've received causes us to close our hearts it's a problem with the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you see that knowledge is about knowing the good as well as the evil it brings you the desire to be right the desire to know the desire to have the answers desire to have it all together, the desire to be strong. And this is the wisdom of the world. So if you look back in Ecclesiastes, you'll discover that Solomon learned something. He said, again I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor the riches to the intelligent, nor favour to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen and happens to them all. Ecclesiastes thing is we hate to be weak. We hate to feel incapable. Weaknesses threaten us because we've grown up in an orphan world. 
but you might recall in, in 2 Corinthians Paul recalls that Father spoke to him and said my grace is enough for you for my power is made perfect in weakness so then Paul says I will boast most gladly about my weakness that the power of Christ may reside in me therefore I am content with the weakness with insults, with troubles, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ whenever I am weak then Father's power comes to full strength, it says, in our weakness. Whose strength do you want? Hmm? Do I want my strength? Or do I want his strength? I have both. Hmm. That's an interesting one. You know, we, we just, we have this image of growing to, to have it all together and growing to be strong and to be capable and, and we talk about um, you know we are all, but, well, Paul says in Ephesians 4 until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ I'm not sure how we imagine it I think I always imagine the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ as we go, you know, go about healing the sick doing miracles and, and, and all of this stuff. Um, we're doing it. So, hmm. Because Jesus did, after all, say, things, that, the things I do, the works I do, you will do. And greater works. Hmm. So here's a statement. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you know what it means to me? It means to attain to total ignorance and complete incompetence. Mm. Okay, everyone gets up and walks out of the pit. John 5:19. Jesus explained himself at length. I'm telling you this straight. The Son can't independently do a thing. Only what he sees the Father doing. What the Father does, the Son does. The Father loves the Son and includes him in everything he's doing. But you haven't seen the half of it yet, for in the same way the Father raises the dead and creates life, so does the Son. Jesus is saying that all of his power and all of his ability came from his inability to operate independently of the Father. Yeah? It didn't come from obedience. Otherwise, he'd have said, the Son only does what the Father tells him to do. didn't come from a choice otherwise he'd say he'd have said I don't want to do or I try not to do anything that I haven't seen the father do what he said was 
The Son can do nothing independently. He was not capable of doing anything that he wasn't seeing the Father doing. Luke 10.21 says that God hides things from the wise and understanding and reveals them to little children. Have this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, says Paul, well known scripture, who empties himself. And 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, God has chosen the foolish and the weak. He means that literally. Let's not mess around and try and rationalise it away. We read these, string, these things and we apply them only to the obvious extremes, but as long as we live by the, by the knowledge of good and evil, my striving to be good, to get it all right, to be strong and capable, will only drive me deeper into fear and shame. That's what Paul's saying in the whole of Romans 7. Harder I try, worse it gets. We weren't ever intended to live out of the... We were never intended to eat that food. It's never intended to be part of our experience. And that comes into this way, the reason I, I dived off into that, comes into this, this business about our, our, the barriers that are created by our, by our unforgiveness, the barriers that are created by our, our relationships or the damage in our relationships to our fathers and mothers because it's quite hard it's quite hard to admit our own part in the damage that was done to us it's quite hard for us to admit the consequences in our own lives of our determination to be strong especially in relation to parents you can only relate to a parent as a son or daughter that's just by definition parents have sons and daughters that's the only relationship that's possible for someone to have a parent there are all sorts of other So restoring the relationship means finding out and embracing what it means to be a son and daughter, son or daughter. That might sound hard. When you start thinking about it in relation to maybe your own natural But you know, when James says, how can you love God whom you can't see? You can't love your brother whom you can't see. I think it's reasonable to also say, in that case, how can you be a son or daughter to God whom you can't see? You don't know what it means to be a son or daughter to your parents who you can see. Maybe a hard thing to hear. It was a hard thing for me to hear, for sure. You may need to ask Holy Spirit, was there a time when I closed my heart off to being a son or daughter to my parents? 
know there was for me. Merle talked this morning, didn't she, about um, how she closed her heart off to her mum and dad, closed her heart off from being a daughter. I certainly closed my heart off from being a a son to my own parents. Merle used to say to me, you're just like your dad. No! I could not imagine anything worse. I could not imagine anything worse. I remember when we, we, we went on our, um, on our high school. The, one of the first people that we met was interesting. He's, he was a farmer. He was a, a Lancashire farmer. And he would, uh, we were just talking to, to him and, and he was talking about him and, 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 and his dad. And he said, he said, you know, I sometimes he said, when I, I don't know what to do in a situation or when I'm uncertain where I go, I think to myself, what would my dad have done? Oh, man alive, did I have a reaction to say to that. Because I think my, my, my thought would have been, well, what would my dad have done? Well, I'm definitely not doing that then. Huh? Close my heart right off. So you may need to look at, at, at how, how that has affected your attitude to them, your behaviour. How's that affected them? What has that stolen away from them? See, there's two sides to this. This whole thing of relationships to parents. You know, they have almost inevitably badly represented the heart of Father God to us certainly we need to deal with that and we need to come to a place of heart forgiveness in that and we need to let them go and letting go of that means accepting that you're never going to get that from them and it means opening up your heart in trust to Father God that he will fill things that have been you never had. Think about allowing Father God to father you and mother you in the areas where you were not fathered, the areas where you were not mothered. But then the other way round is that if you shut your heart off from them for whatever reason, they might have been the best parents in the world and you could still have shut your heart off for whatever reason. What did that steal away from them? Maybe there's there's repentance needed for that. I don't think I want to say anything on this in this session. It's really kind of finishing off the last session, recognising that there are those there can be those blockages for us to experience his father for us to step out of the orphan heart and be introduced to his love because we have this picture of a father's love we have this picture of a mother's love which is flawed flawed both by the damage that's been done to us and flawed by our turning our hearts away from it and at, at this stage in, in this weekend 
I think what we want to do is to give a kind of quite a reasonable amount of time. So not necessarily just a half an hour, but whatever whatever it takes um, during this period between now and dinner, which is at so dinner is about quarter to six. So we've got time between now and quarter to six um, for you to take. We've got um, got a couple of things. Uh, I've got a handout about about father relationships. Got a handout about heart forgiveness. And after the session later, there's another one about mother relationships. We would like just to for to be able to take the time to think about that. See what Holy Spirit has to say. See if there are areas. Thank you.